Yankees win. The Yankees win. Welcome to NY Fly Zone, a first-class podcast. It is time to feed the fleet. What is going on, Fleet Nation? I'm Brendan. I'm Jared. And we are joined with you today with our special guest, close friend of mine, Ben. He's a he's a diehard Jets fan. He's gonna come in and give us some insights. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Hey. <laughs> so this is our first guest that we have on the show, and um, we're excited. So today we're going to talk about, we got three topics for, for you guys today. We're going to do a wild card weekend recap, followed by uh, should the Jets trade for Deshaun Watson, and also with the current status with their head coaches, and finally, the New York Mets, Jared's very own, my very own, making a splash in free agencies thus far. So let's yes, get into sir. it. Welcome to episode seven, Jose Reyes episode, all the other famous sevens out there. Let's go. Thank you so much for listening to us and glad to have Ben on the show. So let's get into it. Well, we had six NFL games that blessed us this past weekend. Um, and I must say I was entertained through them all. You know, I would say the most surprising game to me was the Brown Steelers game. You know, the Browns came out firing. You know, I had, you know, me and Brendan have been very critical of the Steelers this season, you know, and this just showed how, like, you know, weak this team actually was in that game against the Browns the first quarter. You know, Big Ben looking ancient. So, Brendan, what were your thoughts on, you think the Browns are legit or the Steelers are just bad? You know, this Browns team reminds me of the 2009 Jets. You got a great offensive line. You know, you have a quarterback that everyone doubted at first. And obviously, Mark Sanchez, you know, he plateaued. It didn't work out for New York. But, you know, the media wasn't like uh, they weren't always on his side. You know, Mark Sanchez, um, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, obviously he's making strides. Uh, The defense, the defensive side of ball is is great. Um, I just think that the Browns had a chip on their shoulder, you know, like they were sick and tired of being underlooked, Um, you know, especially with the comments of Juju uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going into the following week, you know, saying that they're gray faces, um, that, you know, at the end of the day, the Browns is the Browns. So I think that there was a lot of motivation coming from Cleveland's side of the ball. This was their first time playing a playoff game in, what, 20-something years, I believe? Yeah, and, since um, Belichick. And these Browns fans wanted it. Since Bill Belichick. And, you know, I, I personally think that the Browns, like, they went out there, they wanted it more. And these Steelers, like, they, they have only played like, if you look at their schedule, their past games that they played, it's been very easy. I mean, I think that they got caught off guard with this team. And Big Ben throwing four picks. I mean, you see him crying on the sideline at the end. Like, it's done. It's over. It's sad to say that his legacy is done. Good good job to this Browns team, you know. Honestly, like, it's always nice to see one of those uh, struggling teams, you know, finally make something of themselves, you know. Looking, looking at this Steelers team and how they were eleven and zero, uh, it's it's pretty obvious that they just they just didn't have the pieces together to to take it far into the playoffs, you know. But yeah, th- thanks to the Browns, you know, as a as a New York fan, we gotta love that that Seahawks pick rising. You know, it's it's set at twenty three now, so you know I'm happy for the Browns. Good for them for getting that win, and you know hopefully they can win next week. Yeah, speaking of the uh, Seahawks, you know. Jamal Adams, terrible. Yeah, we saw that clip on Instagram. The guy was coverage. Man is not a coverage safety. 
you know, Brendan said something about him being like a like a rush, a blitz safety. Like, yeah, he, you know, I just I see him as a very one dimensional player in um uh, Seattle. Sorry, yeah. yeah, he's just been a really one dimensional player in Seattle. He's not like the same quality as player as he was in New York, at least from what I see. You know, we all loved him in New York. I still love Jamal as a player, but you know, with with Pete Carroll as his coach, they're just not using him the same way. He's more of a uh, a pass rusher slash run stuffer and he just he just can't like keep up in coverage the same way that other safeties can in the league he's just not showing his versatility as well as he did in New York yeah and uh piggybacking off of what uh Ben said I mean it was funny watching Jamal Adams you know us Dyer Jets fans obviously as he stated before given the fact that the Steelers have lost um and the Seahawks have lost um, the Saints won. That would have helped us rise to 22, but it is what it is. I mean, two of, you know, what us Jets fans needed fell in our favor. Um, you know, so obviously we'll be picking in 23. That's two first-round picks in the top 25. Excellent job done by Douglas. Um, but, you know, seeing this Jamal Adams player who obviously he was fighting with a torn – he was playing with a torn labrum. Yeah. Uh, he had some, uh, like, hand injuries as well. So it has been announced that he will be um, – uh, getting surgery post uh, in the postseason. But, you know, it was just, it was kind of funny watching, you know, typical Jamal Adams, you know, he was lighting the cigar in celebration for the divisional win uh, before the season, you know, came to a conclusion and you're losing to a team that Adam Gase beat in their own stadium. I mean, like you, you did all of this and you pulled all these strings to get out of New York to just go omen one in the playoffs. Like, was it really worth it, Jamal? Jared, do you think, was it really worth it? Uh, I mean, he lost all the, uh, you know, endorsements he would have gotten if he stayed in New York. You know, the fans loved him. Mr. Presidente, you know, he was their guy. He was, you know, could have been the face of their defense. And then, you know, he didn't like the direction they were going. And, you know, going to the Jets, being drafted by the Jets, what did you expect for the first couple of years of your career? What did you expect, Jamal Adams? And then he gets upset, goes to a contender, you know, Seahawks, good, good team, but they lost to the Giants this year. And, you know, one and done. So. I think it's a good move from the Jets. They got, you know, they're definitely in a rebuilding phase and they got the pick. So I think it's a win for the Jets so far. Yeah, and uh, I guess I'd like to make a point that, you know, at this current moment, Jamal Adams has the same number of playoff wins as Adam Gase. So good luck <laughs> to him. <laughs> so, Jared, do you think that the Browns uh, could make a run in this in this postseason? The Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs are going to be a tough task to beat. Um, they have to play them next uh saturday i think that baker has to play very very well if they want to even compete you know this is a good browns team but is it someone that could really go far in the playoffs did we even expect them to really win that game i don't know so baker hmm. needs to really show out and prove himself this game if he if he really believes he's an elite quarterback in this nfl i don't know man the chiefs you know, they're going to have their offense, but do I trust their defense? This Browns team, you know, went out scoring against the Steelers. You know, they don't have OBJ. You know, it would be a different story maybe if they had Odell. But, you know, they still got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry. You know, they have guys on this team. So, you're right. Baker Mayfield, you know, performs. I feel like it will be a, at least a computable game. But at the end of the day, it's Patrick Mahomes. Brendan? Yeah, I – um. I, I this is going to be a tough one for you know Browns fans and you know tough ones for the Browns because I don't know if they're ready or equipped uh, if their chemistry their team chemistry 
can continue and if they can get the ball to keep rolling to go up against this explosive Andy Reid offense. I mean, you have Andy Reid, you have you have Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP, or like in previous years, MVP. MVP candidate in this year. Um, you know, and and their offense is just too explosive. Tyreek Hill, you know, they got Le'Veon Bellison on the bench if he needs to come and get some snaps. Their defense is great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I this it's going to be a tough one for these Browns fans and a tough one for the Browns team. I mean, but you know, I do like the Browns. You know, in this in this in this matchup a little bit. I definitely don't think that it's going to be a blowout. I think that the Browns are, you know, they're coming off of a, uh, they got a lot of momentum. You know, they just went to Heinz Field. They just basically just, you know, closed the book on Big Ben's career. And they basically got a big victory. So the momentum is there. I mean, we also, I would like to point out some some stuff that people are, are not really admiring. The Chiefs have kind of been trending downwards towards the end of the NFL season. I mean, they almost lost to the Atlanta Falcons. So I don't know what exactly is happening in Kansas City. You know, they say that, you know, you know how hard it is to repeat also. Um, there's, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe Cleveland can come out with a fire. Maybe, maybe you know, this they just have that, the ball rolling. And, like, you know, look at the players on Cleveland's team. They got a better O-line. Cleveland's got a better O-line than the Kansas City Chiefs. And I agree with Ben. I mean, if Baker, if the Browns are going to win this, it's going to be from Baker. Yeah, and to finish that off, like going on in on the O-line, they also have probably the best running back in the NFL. So if they could get the running game going along with, you know, Baker, you know, throwing some shots down the field, like I think it's promising, you know, this isn't necessarily the same Browns we've seen every year. This is a new team. This is, this is a new era. So, you know, to be hopeful for them. Yeah. Nick Chubb is undoubtedly a top five running back in this league. Uh, you see how he's been playing. He finds the holes. Um, you know, he makes, he takes, he alleviates the stress of being a quarterback, you know, and, and that's exactly why I compare this, this Browns team to the New York Jets, 2009 New York Jets. I mean, they had Lindanian Tomlinson, who was a, te- you know, a, you know, Hall of Famer. He's going to go down as one of the all-time greats as a running back position. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I think Baker Mayfield is really making a name for himself. I mean, taking Cleveland to, you know, being the first quarterback to take Cleveland to a playoff, yet, yet alone get a playoff victory since the Bill Belichick ages in Cleveland. I mean, that means something. It does. You know, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm excited for the future. And you know what? Even if they lose against the Chiefs, it's a successful season. So, Jared, what's your thoughts about all the other games that happened? Um, well, I have to say that the Bills look legit. You know, they almost blew it against the Colts. A couple of uh, fumbles towards the end. Um, Phillip Rivers, you know, he played his heart out. Colts have some great running backs in Jonathan Taylor and Hines. But the Bills went out on top as we expected them to do. And I, they're going to have a tough chance, a tough game against the Ravens coming up. You know, Lamar Jackson, if he looked great against the uh, Titans, I did not expect the Ravens to win that game. So, Yeah, Lamar Jackson getting his first career win against the Tennessee Titans. As he went 0-2 yeah. in previous years. Um, it was a personal game for Lamar Jackson. Um, I mean, if you look at both of those teams, you know, I, I was sitting there watching and I was like, wow, like the AFC is so – it's so competitive this year. It I mean, really I is. think it's the best conference in in um, in football, and I also do believe that you know with the seven seed, it, it, there's a lot more competition. And um, and 100%. you know, you're looking at a wild card game where it's the Baltimore Ravens, right? Lamar Jackson up against you know Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, and Ryan Tannehill, right? Mm-hmm. Another top ten quarterback, yep. and 
like it's almost like you're watching the AFC championship game. And it was hard to root against these teams. You know, I didn't know who I wanted. I just wanted the best team to come out with the victory. And it was good for Lamar, you know, getting that win. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Lamar Jackson, you know, he proved it. He did it with his legs though, but he proved he could win a, in a playoff game. So that's good. Do I think he has enough, the Ravens have enough offense to take on the bills? I'm not sure. Marcus Peters had a clutch interception, but I don't think Josh Allen's going to be making that, those mistakes like Ryan Tannehill would. So I still have the Bills on top, though. Yeah, um, here's the thing. I mean, the Titans, they got Derrick Henry. Like, they, they had the foundation to beat this Ravens team. And if you look at Josh Allen, I mean, yeah, he has Singletary. Yeah, he has a plethora of wide receiver options. I mean, you can argue that his wide receiver core is the best wide receiving core in the league aside from the Cleveland Browns. And it's just, you know, this Josh Allen kid, I mean, you got to hats off to the Colts. I mean, you know, this Bills team is, you know, one of the teams to beat in the AFC. And we all know that they're Super Bowl contenders. We all know that they're legit. And the Colts literally, you know, gave them their money's worth. And it could have went either way, you know, and shout out to Philip Rivers. We know that he may not be back next year having his, you know, I don't even know, 14 something child, 13 something in the teens now, probably. I don't even know. But, you know, like for him to just be out there and just to constantly be in the playoffs or at least in the playoff race throughout his career, that's just, that's just, that's just, you know, that's really that's something to, you know, yeah. appreciate. And, um, and we'll see. I mean, I, I like Josh Allen in this game. Um, I think that, you know, the momentum is there. I think that Bill's Mafia is there. I think that McDermott is there. And, um, and I think they'll get the job done against the Ravens. Yeah, I think that I think this Bills team is honestly hungry right now. You know, they haven't been to the playoffs in forever. It's been years. They have their finally have their MVP caliber quarterback. They have their number one receiver. They have a great defense. So yeah, I think it's gonna be hard for Lamar to to get around this, no matter how good of a player he is. Um, yeah, they just need to. Yeah, I, I don't yeah and if you if you look at. You know, if you look at the Bills defense, you know, at Oliver, then you got Poyer, you got Hyde, like, like these players, like Poyer, ball hawk, like people need to start talking about him, wherever the ball is, he'll be there. And this team has a lot of, you know, they have a lot of trust within each other and, and they follow their quarterback. They, they believe in Josh Allen and they follow him and they're, and they will strap up and go to war for him. And, you know, you got Cole Beasley as an option. You got Brown, you got, you know, you got, as Ben said, you got, you know, like a, a top 10 wide receiver, hands down, top five, arguably, and Diggs, one of the best route running receivers in the NFL since, since Antonio Brown. So, you know, like the, all the options are there. Diggs is as well could be an MVP candidate. Obviously, you don't necessarily see wide receivers being mentioned, but, I mean, he had a hell of a season. Yeah, the Bills, you know, they had to take down the Ravens. So who do you think is going to win the game, Ravens or Bills, who you taking? It hurts to say, um, it being a divisional um, team, but, you know, I'm going to take the Bills in this one. I just see them coming out on top. I, I think they have a fresher offense. I think they have a better defense overall. They have a better secondary. And I just think as an overall team, they're just, they, they just know how to get it done. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills in this one, um, and I'm going to say it confidently. I think that uh, McDermott is going to have this team coached up, and, you know, I think that the reason why you don't see, you know, Lamar Jackson having an MVP caliber season is because these defenses are picking up on it. 
Like these defenses are understanding how this man plays football and, 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 and they're really diagnosing how he performs under center. And, you know, defenses can do that by placing a QB spy on him and, you know, baiting him to run on the outside, pressing, you know, pressing up front man coverage, you know, or even doing like a cover two blitz, anything to just, you know, aggravate, you know, Lamar and, you know, get, try to get him on the outside and just like limit them to the run game and, you know, limit them from passing. The difference between Lamar Jackson and uh, Josh Allen is that Josh Allen, like I said, episode one, episode two, he's a statue in the pocket, but yet he can run like, you know, like any, like a Kyler Murray or even a Lamar. So, you know, that's the problem with, you know, how do you, how do you game plan, game plan against Josh Allen? That's the question because he can sit back there and sling it like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, or he's going to run and get the 10 yards. And, and, you know, I don't think that this Ravens team, Harbaugh, as good as their defense is, I don't think that they're going to be able to stop him. I really don't. I think the momentum is on the Bills' side. Um, obviously, they're going to have a home game. You know that, you know, all Bills Mafia are going to help contribute Bills towards his victory. Um, and I think that they're going to wrap it up and, you know, eventually see the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. This Baltimore team, and I kind of just see Lamar kind of standing alone. You know, he, he really needs to put this team on his back and just ball out if he really wants to take on this, uh, this Bills team because they're, they're a legit contender. Yeah, I'm a big uh, Lamar Jackson fan. You know, I believed in him MVP year last year. This year, a little bit down. But I still have the Bills being the Ravens. The Bills are too good. Ravens, as you said, Lamar Jackson had to carry the whole squad if they wanted to even sniff the AFC Championship game. So we'll see where it goes from there. Who do you think is going to be in the AFC Championship game, basically? Yeah, I just basically touched up on that. I'm going to final answer, uh, Bills Chiefs. Ben? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to agree with Brendan on this one. I can't really see another team ending up on top besides that Bills and Chiefs team. You know, th- those are the best teams in the AFC. It, best teams in the league if we're talking about it, you know. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard to to beat one of those. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game. You know, two best teams going at it to go to the Super Bowl. It's unfortunate that, you know, both these teams can't be in the Super Bowl together because I think that's, as Brandon said, the top two teams in the league. But, you know, it's how it works. So I see the Bills and Chiefs moving on. And for the NFC, uh, we got Rams and Packers and the Bucks and Saints. So who you got for those? I mean, you got Rams, Packers. You can scratch that game off. Jared Goff is tasting his L. Um, this Packers team's legit. Aaron Rodgers put some respect on his name until the day he retires. Um, you know, he's out here playing like his, it's his, you know, rookie season, you know, even though he's getting up in the thirties, um, you know, he's got his arm, you know, he's, he's got his accuracy. He's got his vision. He's got another, probably the undoubtedly the best receiver in the NFL, Devonte Adams. And this man is balling. Like, like if you want to talk about it, you know, what is that, 19 touchdowns this year? It's it's actually insane. Yeah, Rodgers has had a great year. He helped me out in fantasy a lot this year as my starting quarterback. And you know what? I say the, a thumbless Jared Goff has no chance against Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, Packers it really impressed me how Jared Goff was able to go out there and beat the yeah. Seattle Seahawks team. I mean, but then again, let's be honest, you know, what else has he been doing throughout his whole career? I mean, he's given the Seahawks some trouble, 
Um, he's definitely got his fair share of wins against that team. And I, if you want to talk about Seattle for a second, I don't think Pete Carroll is the answer. I think they got to find a younger coach, you know, that can cater to the players more. And I think Pete's getting up there in age. So I think there's a lot of issues going on uh, for Seattle. I don't, I don't necessarily think that Pete Carroll is the answer going forward. Um, I think that that might have been a contribution towards their, to, towards their loss. But, you know, hats off to Jared Goff, you know, being, as you said, a thumbless player coming out of his injury and being able to sling it and lead his team to a victory. And, you know, him going up against, you know, to Lambeau Field, playing against this confident Packers team, you know, I don't think their Packers defense is, you know, potentially, you know, like Super Bowl caliber. I really don't. I think that's going to be their dagger. Um, it's kind of been their dagger the past three years. They got to start, you know, picking, you know, some defensive players in the first round, you know, to really help out Rodgers, you know, chase that Lombardi, his second. But, um, you know, but other than that, in the, in the NFC, I think the big matchup, the hot matchup, one of the best matchups we'll see in a long time. And it's Drew Brees going up against Tom Brady. Jared, if you want to break that down. Yes, sir. We got you know, two men in their 40s going at it, but it's going to be a really great game, you know, in my opinion. Uh, the Saints coming off an easy win against the Bears. The Bucks had to really fight against the Washington football team. Taylor Haneke did his Taylor Haneke did his thing, but the Bucks are the Bucks. They have Antonio Brown. You know, if Godwin catches a little bit more passes in that game against Washington, the Bucks might have put up more points. So, you know, it's going to be a tough back and forth game. The Saints, you know, their offense scared me a bit against the Bears. So that's going to be a great game to watch for sure. So, Jared, who do you got on top? I got the Bucks coming out, and I got the Packers coming out. Packers, it'll be Brady versus Rodgers, and that'll be a great, another great quarterback matchup. And I like how, you know, this is forming in uh, NFC and AFC. NFC, you know, according to my prediction, it's going to be either Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, two veterans, two greats. And the AFC will be Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, two youngsters up and coming. So hopefully you get matchups like that. It'll be great for NFL. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Jared. Um, I'm pretty confident that Rodgers is going to be able to um, to overthrow Goff in this game. Um, taking a look at the Bucks, man, that's that's just a scary team. You know, Tom Brady. I'll I'll never doubt that man until he he retires. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've had to deal with him in my division for for forever, and you know, you could never count him out, no matter what the situation is. And if anything, I'd say this situation is a lot better than anything he's had in a lot of years. So he, he has multiple options at, at receiver. We're talking about Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Goodwin. You know, he has a great team around him, a great offensive line, you know, solid defense. So, you know, yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup between him and Drew Brees because they're both just so, so legendary quarterbacks. But um, – you know, I'll, I'll never bet against Tom Brady, especially when it comes down to an AFC finals like that. Yeah, Ben, I totally see where you're coming from. I mean, us Jets fans have been deprived, you know, given the fact of Tom Brady's performance, his dominance in the playoffs. You know, he's the commander chief of any you know team that he plays with. You know, it's the Tom Brady effect. You know, you know that if someone drops a pass, he's going to be screaming at them on the sideline, psychologically getting them to tune in. This man is a true winner. All he knows is to, is to know how to win. But you know what? I'm gonna come in. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna argue with you. Honestly, I don't think that. Um, I don't think that the Bucks are gonna win this game. And I'm gonna. The reason why I'm gonna say that is because look at how many penalties the Tampa Bay Bucks commit. Look. Look at Bruce Arians and, and his ability to to his lack of discipline. 
you know, and, and you might be correct with the surrounding cast that Brady has. If you look at his team, it is insane. OJ Howard, Rob Gronkowski, you got Mike Evans, you know, top three receiver in this league. Antonio Brown, first ballot Hall of Famer, if you didn't, you know, have throw tamper tantrums. Um, you know, run game, defense, you know, D-line, you know, they got JPP. They got – it's just like – it's honestly just like a uh, – like an ultimate team, like career, like Madden pack that's just coming all pro. Like everyone's just joining it, you know what I mean? It's like it looks like you built this team in Madden. Like seriously. It kind of reminds me almost of that Browns team coming in. I think it might have been last year where everyone was like, oh, you know, this might be a Super Bowl caliber team. And it, it's not always like how it, how it is in Madden where, you know, you build this team of these stars. It's, it's a lot about chemistry. Um, it's a lot about just like knowing each other on the field and, and having good communication. And I, I do think Brady would be the, the person to be able to, to make that happen. But Brendan, you, you're absolutely right where – um, although he does have the talent around him, they, they've, they've made some mistakes this year. Yeah, and it's not like Brady's got Bill Belichick. I feel like Bill Belichick was the perfect person to elevate his talents. I mean, you know, he would make the right decisions with the calls. At the end of the day, he would make the right play calls. At the end of the day, he would – Bill Belichick is a god with time management. That's what nobody wants to talk about. They will literally instruct Brady to throw two complete, incomplete passes – and then dial up a long ball down the sideline or whatever just to just to not take timeouts. Like, and he doesn't have that mastermind, you know, that's always got his back on the sidelines to make sure that he's okay. He's got Bruce Aarons. I mean, I like Bruce Aarons, you know, but you know, he's not a Super Bowl one caliber. He's never tasted the Lombardi. He's not a Bill Belichick, six Lombardis, you know. And um, and at the end of the day, you know, let's look at Drew's matchup against Tom Brady. They've throughout their career, throughout their tenure, long tenure in the NFL, 20 years plus. They've, they've matched up eight times. Drew Brees wins five to three. He has five wins, three losses. Brady has three wins, five losses. Drew Brees has fathered Tom Brady throughout their career, and he will literally do so again. And you know what? I will say that the Saints are winning this game if, if the refs don't blow it again. Yeah, this, this, it's even the season the Saints have beaten the Bucks twice in shocking fashion. 34, 23, and 38, 3. But now I feel like the Bucks, you know, they have better chemistry now. They know how to work with each other. Antonio Brown's in the system now on a regular basis. I just think that overall, the Bucks, you know, know what they have to do now. They don't have to, like, like they were working in Cameron Brate into their offense, even with Rob Gronkowski, even with OJ Howard. They had Cameron Brate making these third down conversions. The Bucks have options. They have a good defense. Levante Davis, excellent middle linebacker. And they have the documents, too. They have a bunch of guys. The Saints, they're going to be the Saints. They're consistently good, but I have the Bucks going on top. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's actually interesting as well, this is the oldest matchup by QBs ever. So it's two old men going at each other. Yeah. My final predictions here, I'm going to say Saints-Packers. And I, and, and I think that's going to be a really good game. You know, we'll talk next week. Um, given we'll discuss next week how the results come out. But if that is the case, you know, that's Drew Brees getting another opportunity to get, you know, his second ring. And, you know, I'm Team Drew in this matchup, um, you know, and I think Sean Payton, you know, has more experience than Bruce Arians. And everyone's got to remember, this is a divisional rivalry. This is a divisional matchup. These teams have played against each other. These teams both, you know, know how to win against each other. 
you know, they're very familiar with once another. I mean, but then again, you have the whole argument with Brady and how he's been dominant in the postseason. So I'm very excited to watch this. It's probably going to be one of the best, probably the best matchup come next weekend. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to get into it. So over the past couple of weeks, uh, predominantly in just the past week or so, there's been news that came out that, you know, struck the media that Deshaun Watson is considering, you know, requesting a trade. Um, there's been a lot of confrontations, you know, a lot of, you know, frustration vocalized um, from beat writers in Houston, um, reporters, analysts across, you know, the National Football League, you know, conducting and coming out saying that Deshaun Watson has been, you know, very flat out frustrated with, um, with the Houston Texans organization. And that came from him not being able to have a say in his head coaching uh, position. Um, obviously, Bill O'Brien has done nothing but put him into a disastrous uh, situation, trading arguably one of the best, you know, the reigning best uh, receiver in the NFL, um, you know, and, and he's put him in a, in a tragic situation there. So there's been some talks with the New York Jets potentially trading their King's ransom, um, their, you know, their cachet of picks for the future uh, to secure Deshaun on their team. And I also would like to mention that he wanted Eric Bieniemy. And this New York Jets team has already, you know, interviewed Eric Bieniemy, you know, previous Chiefs OC. So, Ben, what do you think about, you know, potentially getting a Deshaun Watson in the building as a diehard Jets fan and, you know, getting a top five quarterback to pioneer this, you know, this Jets team? Yeah, wow. I mean, just going back on um, his situation with the Texans really quick, um, you know, it's one thing to not say anything to the player, but to go out and tell the player that, hey, we're going to take your opinion into account about this new GM or new head coach, whatever it is, and to tell him that you're going to do that and then to not do it is kind of – it's just a head blunder. It's crazy for an organization to be run like that. You know, speaking – the Jets, it's, it's not a stellar organization as well, but, you know, just to – just to do something like that. I could see why a player could be frustrated or, or pissed off at the organization. But yeah, with the, with the Jets possibly being able to acquire a player like this, wow. I mean, a player of this caliber, I've, I've never, I don't think any of us have ever really seen a, you know, 25-year-old quarterback, you know, in his prime, probably a top five quarterback in the NFL, leave his team. You know, we've never seen this. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, I mean, if he did leave... I wouldn't want him anywhere else but the Jets. But, um, you know, it's interesting that we just interviewed uh, Biennemi, like Brendan said. Um, you know, the pieces could come together. But it's a lot of draft capital at the end of the day. So, Ben, three first-round picks. Or, no, let's not say that. Let's say Sam Darnold and our second overall pick and our 2022 uh, Seattle pick. All right, you're Joe Douglas. Are you saying yes? Is the trade going through? My ideal scenario would include Sam Darnold, but that's just kind of assuming that the Texans would even want him. So, yeah, of course I would take that deal. But uh, looking at another deal, possibly, something that's probably a little more reasonable would be the, our two firsts this year. Um, and even then. I would still do it. We're talking about the most important position in the NFL. So, you know, I, even if you weren't, even if I wasn't a Jets fan, no matter what team I am, and if I had the possibility of being able to trade for this, I would do it. 
you know, Miami, whoever I am, Chicago, San Francisco, if I had the money, if I have the capital, I'm going to want Deshaun Watson on my team. You know, Brandon, you asked uh, Ben if you're Joe Douglas, would you, make, would you make that trade? And I say absolutely if you're Joe Douglas. You know, Deshaun Watson is proven. He's proven as a top five quarterback in this league. Top three talent, maybe. And, you know, if they can include Sam Darnold in their picks, that's a plus. But I wouldn't give up too much for him. You know, the Jets have, like, what, six, five picks coming up in this next draft? They could get their quarterback and provide him with assets and bolster, bolster their defense altogether. So yeah, you know. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, just just by the 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 point that the Texans don't necessarily have the power in the situation, like they don't have the opportunity to keep him if that's like what he wants to do and be traded away. So they don't necessarily have the power to ask for something like four firsts or like three first hopefully not you know so if it came down to them asking for something along those lines no i would not trade the future of the jets or any organization away for just one player but if we're talking about two firsts here that's like that's like saying like oh yeah like will you take the same deal as seattle took for jamal and and like in a way that's just saying like if you're the jets that you're trading jamal adams for deshaun watson like uh, that's a no-brainer right there. All right, so I'm going to give my uh, anal- analysis on this. So there also was breaking news today that the Houston Texans are to interview Eric Bieniemy. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that Houston can salvage their relationship with Deshaun Watson? I think it might be able to. You know, allowing the Texans to go in and get their guy might be, you know, what all what Deshaun Watson's asking for. And um, and you know, Joe Douglas, I don't, I'm not in by any means worried of Joe Douglas, you know, making a Mike McCagnan move and not giving the right, you know, assets um, or giving more assets than to get him. I don't think he's going to go out there on a limb and, and give, send out four picks, first round picks to Houston. That's not happening. All right. Um, I think that if we do somehow miraculously acquire um, Deshaun Watson, that is because, you know, our head coach in which we hire is like, that's my quarterback, right? Like, he looks at the draft class, he sees Fields, he sees Wilson, he sees Trask, he sees Jones, and he's like, nope, not here. You know, let's let's give two firsts and Sam or whatever, um, two firsts this year and a third for Deshaun. And, and, you know, I'm not opposed to it. You know, top five quarterback, you can't be opposed to it, but it has to be if the price is right. And, um, you know, us New York Jets, you know, Joe Douglas, you know, he comes in, and I think that he really wants to build this team from the ground up. I mean, he's done everything that, you know, us Jets fans want to see an actual GM do, a GM that knows football. You know, us Jets fans are so used to these accountant GMs that only know how to spend money, that only know how to attract agents with money and make them pay the Jets tax, in which we like to call it. And I don't want the Jets to do that. And I don't think Joe Douglas has plans to do that. And uh, like I said, if Deshaun comes here to the Price is Right, he's done a really good job acquiring picks for the future, trying to build this from the, from the ground up. And I think that he really wants to make this his Jets team. And the thing that scares me is, let's say we give two first-round picks for Deshaun. He's coming off his rookie contract. Then he's set to get paid $25 million a year. That shaves off a quarter of our cap space, right? Obviously, from that point on, we can go out and get a Allen Robinson, right? Or a Tunsil, or not a Tunsil, disregard that. A, um, a, a Tooney, right? A pro guard from the Patriots. Obviously, acquiring um, a Deshaun Watson allows free agents to come follow. I understand that. But, you know, 
I don't want to put him in a similar situation. I feel like if he were to come to New York, he would be joining a Houston situation, a team that would then not have much draft capital since we gave it away to acquire him, and we won't be able to surround it around him. Ultimately, if we're able to do this, I'll support it, top five quarterback, but I don't think it's happening. I think Joe Douglas has bigger plans. I think he's going to preserve the future, save the cap, save the draft, and I think he's ultimately going to find his guy in the draft, or if not, wait and do it next year and roll with Sam. Yeah, I got to agree. Uh, I, don't, I don't see it being probable. Um, I've seen too many years of, of GMs and coaches just overpaying for players, whether that's free agency or through trades. So, you know, if, if we could make it happen and, you know, pay a reasonable price, a fair price, I know Deshaun Watson is a hell of a player, so it's hard to determine that. But, um, yeah, if we could get it done, I'm all for it. It's too expensive, you know. We got the capital to, to build our team without him. So Also, people that are saying, oh, you know, three, four first-round picks, you know, for Deshaun. Obviously, that makes sense. you got a generational player hitting the market. You know, this hasn't happened since the Drew Brees, you know, leaving Miami Dolphins, coming to, you know, the, the Saints and becoming a Hall of Famer. And, um, no, I understand that. But people need to understand the value of the second overall pick. This puts, right, this puts Houston in a prime position to move on comfortably. So, you know, the Jets have a lot of power. Um, we, we have a lot of options that we can do going forward. And speaking of the New York Jets, I want to emerge into our next segment, talking about our head coaching, you know, uh, position and how we've been um, performing lately. And uh, breaking news came out this morning that Robert Sala, 49ers defensive coordinator, is going on to the second phase of interviewing process. And he is now flying into Jersey for in-person meetings and to eventually see one Jets drive in the facility. Ben, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so them bringing in uh, Salah for a second interview kind of just shows their interest with him. Um, yeah, I think he's a really intriguing option. I like him a lot. I was talking to Brendan about this and whether we should head in the offensive coach direction or the defensive. You know, when I think of the New York Jets, I, I just think of a strong defensive team. They've always had that. Like, that was always the face of the franchise for the Jets and, and at least our lifetime of being fans. So I just think that it would be a positive aspect to go back to the defensive coordinator as our coach and, you know, build that strong defense around our team. Um, I also think it's really interesting as some of the offensive coaching options that could possibly come from Salah being hired. Um, Guys of the likes like Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniels, who both work with the offense there uh, with Shanahan, um, they both know how to run that Shanahan offense, that West Coast scheme. And he doesn't want to lose them either. He knows their importance. There's been teams that have called and contacted the 49ers about getting in contact with Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniels and interviewing them for OC positions or different positions on their teams. And, and Shanahan has immediately blocked those requests. He, he knows the, the importance of these coaches on his team and his offense. And he knows what he's losing if, if a team were to go and pick one of these guys up. Yeah, so I'm going to agree completely with Ben, you know, being a diehard Jets fan, you know, seeing Sala come on the market, you know, given his breakdown with how – um, you know, Shanahan doesn't want this to happen. And it's almost just a, you know, a, it's a joy. It, it's a treat that one of someone from his tree 
is is coming in in this market and um and, you know the jets defense you know from everything ever since we could remember had that bold defensive mind i mean i think us jets fans were trying or not jets fans i think us jets organization was trying to you know fix the rebuild and try to like do what the league's doing you know and and get it at him get, didn't work and we got to go back to our roots and um you know i'm totally fine with a with a sala this man you know, he had the best, one of the best top defenses in football. Going into 2021, uh, you know, the Niners were projected to have the best uh, football um, defense in football going into the season. Of course, they were riddled with injuries. You know, you got Nick Bosa going down. That hurts. But um, this guy knows how to run defense, you know, and um, and I think that he's a player's guy. You got players that, you know, he's a type of coach that is going to, you know, speak to his players. He's going to pat the players on the back. He's going to, you know, coach everyone up. And I think that coming from a, you know, Adam Gase, you know, deprived team, to a you know an energetic you know you know a, a DC that was just previously in in the Super Bowl you know I think that that's a big uh, step forward for the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean Salah's players love him too, um, which is always a great aspect. You want a player's coach, you want pl- uh, a coach that players could respect and um, and appreciate effort that they put in. I mean, not to mention if you take a look at this San, Fran- San Francisco running game that Mike, Mike McDaniels has been responsible for. You know, I, I haven't seen another team really have, have the same success that they've had, even with injuries um, in their run game. You know, that's, that's a t- top run game in the NFL. Yeah, you know, Salah, he's not the big name that, you know, you would maybe want as a casual Jets fan. But, if you know, if you're diehards like Brendan and Ben here, this is a good name. Good to see him in the final, final stages. And second interview because you know like we said these injuries to the 49ers they had you know no no uh nick bosa richard sherman you know they they were didn't have their star guys and they still performed well and you know the jets will need someone like them and you know when you, when you said when i think jets i think of defense so having a good like strong you know not todd bulls like person but a sala would be great for the jets and you know what? I feel like the Jets are going to pick the right coach. They just got to see what they think is the best. And, you know, they got to finish their interviews, first of all. So, Yeah, I think me and Brendan both feel this way about it. But I think our worst fear would be to, to hire Doug Peterson from the Eagles. Well, I mean, I remember episode, like, one. I was like, the Jets are the number one pick. They should get Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson as a good combo. But, you know, seeing how the Eagles season unfolded, seeing how Doug Peterson basically sold out his locker room the last game of the season, just plummeted his stock as a coach, even though as a Super Bowl winning coach, it would be tough to see him, like, be a fan of him in general. Yeah, I don't even think the Jets are scheduled to even interview him. I mean, I could potentially see that happening because the Jets are, you know, quote from Christopher Johnson and quote from uh, Jets GM Joe Douglas, we are casting a wide net. So I definitely could see, you know, obviously Joe Douglas coming from the Eagles organization. Um, Peterson was his head coach uh, when they went on that Super Bowl run, being the Patriots. Um, so there's some lineage there. They, uh, you know, shared the same avenues and the same careers. But I, I think that Douglas, you know, isn't, he's going to want to do his own thing. He's going to want to land. He wants his own structure. You know, he worked really hard to get this uh, GM position, worked his whole life to get it. And he did the proper way. And, um, and I don't think he's just going to go back and press the reset button, you know. And, and I think that the Jets, I think that this year, there has been so many good coaching candidates. It's probably the best offseason for uh, head coaching candidates in a long time. I mean, take a look at the list. You got Bienemy, 
Dable, Joe Brady from the Panthers, Pat Fitzgerald coming from college possibly. Like there, you know, there's a lot of different options we could go. So to to go Doug Peterson, the connection is the only thing that scares me. But I mean, this Eagles team, I think they are more talented than they even like reached. So like them underperforming just kind of scares me a little bit. I obviously wouldn't want you know Peterson on our team, but I mean, I'm thankful we haven't injured interviewed him yet but you know just something to to keep an eye on well with um with like a quarterback situation being like the Jets like main focus going into next year do you think it'd be smarter to get you know an offensive coordinator as your new head coach or you feel like you know they could just get an offensive coordinator and he could fill in the role great question um I, I don't care who my head coach is as long as they are the rock of our team you know if you look at you know every other competent head coach you know a hardball you know special teams you know then you got um Tomlin you know you you, we need someone you know and Tomlin's DC right defensive minded right and you look at all these players right these coaches you know Belichick defensive minded um I don't think that matters I think as long as we have a leader that you know play that we finally hit on our guy you know that leader that guy that that players want to like go to war for um, you know, that vocal leader, I think that that's going to be okay. You know, you got Joe Douglas, a scout. I trust Sala or any DC that, you know, Douglas wants to invest in to get that right, you know, staff for our potential quarterback. And I think that these, that, that this isn't going to be any surprise. I think that, you know, this, this quarterback um, situation is going to be part of the interviewing process. And I think that Sala or any other DC, you know, has their opportunity to, you know, just to claim their case, to show them their vision. And Douglas is going to pick up on that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't I don't think it matters as much necessarily whether it's an offensive coach or a defensive coach, but if you do t- take a look around the league at the the longest standing coaches, you know, you have Pete Carroll, like you said, Tomlin, you know, Belichick, like like you mentioned, these are all defensive-minded coaches. These these guys that have coached for years and years at head coach positions who've been consistent have, you know, all been defensive minded I mean of course that that comes along with their staff and having a good OC but you know that might be the direction the Jets want to head in fair points fair points you know can't argue with you know the successes of Bill Belichick and other people (laughs) but you know I'm just hoping that you know the Jets find their guy like you guys are and you know as you said a great class for head coaches and that'll hopefully shape the draft where you guys looking forward to and like, you know, just the future success of the Jets. Hopefully they hit on this guy. Too many turmoil of coach coaches over the years. All right. Last today to my fellow New York Mets fans, we did it. We traded for Francisco Lynn Dorr, Cleveland Indians, all-star shortstop, you know, this guy is going to bring instant energy to the Mets team who, you know, who's been on the verge with their talent, their core. They just needed that space. And like that, their team owner, you know, brought that energy. And now that we have Lindor, I can't be more excited for this team. Our projected lineup is crazy. We have boys Lindor. We have Pete Alonzo. We have new signed catcher, James McCann, Conforto another year, hopefully Dom Smith, just the Mets lineup is going to look great. And not to mention, we didn't just get Lindor. We got Carlos Carrasco, consistently underrated these past couple of years. 
In the short in 2020 season, he had a two ERA over just a little like 2.3 ERA. And 2019 was his only down year, but that was after covering coming back from leukemia. So very, he's a warrior out there. Another great addition to this rotation. Now, you know, I still think the Mets could add some pieces. They're looking at Brad Hand, you know, a little great lefty relief pitcher. They're looking at maybe another sort of starter. But in general, this Lindor team, this Lindor trade does wonders for this Mets as like a threat and as a team altogether. So, Jared, how far do you see the Mets making it? You know, depending on how their offseason finishes up, I could see them as, you know, possibly being World Series favorites. They have to get, you know, that's if they get like someone like George Springer, who's going to cost a lot of money, or someone like Jake Odorizzi, Brad Hand, all these other like free agent pieces that they added them would cost a lot of money, but would make them, you know, maybe second favorites to the Dodgers from repeating. And it's very hard to repeat in MLB. So if anything, I see this team as the best team in the East and if, and uh, the yeah, National League East. Maybe the Braves could, you know, if they make a couple more moves, they re-sign Ozuna. But the Mets, you know, I see them as great, a great team who's going to gel. They got to sign Lindor long-term, of course. But they're going to gel. And you know what? It's going to be fun watching this team. And Jared, how important was it to get to acquire a Steve Cohen, um, you know, for the culture for the Mets? Well, he changed the culture instantly. You know, we've had the Wilpons over the past, you know, two decades, 20 years. And, you know, the only season where, other than 2015, the Mets have been competitive was in 2006, where they went out and spent money on Carlos Beltran, spent money on Pedro Martinez, these Hall of Fame players. You know, if we get that kind of energy is what we're having now, but we could see that consistently for the next couple of years. And the only reason why we were able to send money in 2006 was because of a Ponzi scheme that got the wool pon- our owners in trouble a couple of years later. So that's why we haven't been able to compete as a big market team, but now we're actually a big market team. So that is very exciting. And I can't wait to see, you know, how the off season unfolds. Yeah. Sometimes uh, teams just kind of need those last few final pieces and, um, you know, it looks like the Mets are trending in that good direction. So good for them. Yeah, you know, would we say they're better than the Yankees yet? I'm not sure. That could be another discussion. But, you know, the Mets, they just got to see how the chemistry folds. Chemistry is really important. But the Mets have always had, in the past couple of seasons with Alonzo and Conforto, they look like they have a fun time on the bench, fun time with each other. And that's important as an MLB team. And keeping to Grom, too. It's just our pitching, you know, and everything is just, it's, you know, some say starting pitchers, starting pitching is going to be very important. Um, we're going to have DeGrom, Carrasco now being our number two or three pitcher. Stroman hopefully bounces back. David Peterson, the rookie, uh, played pretty well in the 2020 season. And then if he could just stay consistent, and then the, our wild card pitcher will be Steven Matz, as he has to be a number five pitcher probably for the first couple of months until Noah Syndergaard comes back from Tommy John surgery. So once we, if our rotation is at full strength, I feel like it's, it's going to be impossible to beat us in a playoff series. So it looks like there's a lot of depth on this uh, Mets roster, which uh, builds championship teams. Def definitely does build championship teams. You know, you look at the Dodgers last year, they used their probably their third best starting, starting pitcher option out of the bullpen, uh, Julio Iras. You know, the lefty flamethrower was just, you know, throwing balls, you know, strikes down the middle and people were whiffing, the Rays are whiffing at it. 
you know, and then they'll probably put him back in the starting rotation during the season. But once they go back in the playoffs, they'll probably just put him back in the pen like they did, you know, two years ago. So the, the Mets have these options in the playoff series, even if the Mets make the wild card team, who's going to beat the Grom in that wild card game. And then they go into division round, you know, they got to beat to play the Grom again. They're going to have to face Carrasco, face Syndergaard if he's healthy, Stroman. It's just the options are great, you know, and, I feel like this offense is going to perform well. I'm only worried about the defense a little bit, but Lindor makes her defense 110% better, getting rid of Ahmed Rosario. You know, loved him as like a character, as a person, but, you know, he wasn't the best shortstop option for us. And, you know, Lindor is a star player. Yeah, we fleeced the Cleveland Indians on that one. Yeah, you know, the only only way I see the Indians winning this trade is if Lindor somehow doesn't end up resigning because the Mets did give up their number nine prospects, number nine and ten prospects, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, it's just getting rid of Rosario and Jimenez, you know, was tough to see as they, you know, go through the organization. You know, Rosario was signed since he was 16 in, uh, you know, Dominican Republic. But, you know, that's what, you know, baseball is a business. And if you have an opportunity to get the best player at a good price, I feel like the Mets had to make this deal. It was offered to them, you know. If I'm the Indians, if I'm a Cleveland fan, you know, I'm upset. See Lindor go, but it sucks for them. As a Mets fan, you're like, I can't wait to buy my Lindor jersey. And I'm going to – if he signs an extension, you'll definitely see me buying a Lindor jersey. Yeah, you know, I mean, the Mets being able to secure one of the best, most dominant shortstops in, you know, in national baseball, um, pro baseball, it, it's exciting. You know, it helps our defense out a lot, a lot of options in the backfield. You know, he's great at passing. Um, I think that's going to right our ship defensively, which is going to help us. Um, I think that we've – as a team, the Mets have, you know, have been just very dominant on the offensive side of the ball, you know, our pitching. And, like, this allows us – and he's a good hitter too. So, you know, like, this is going to be really switch good hitter, Switch hitter, switch um, hitter too. So, you know, these are great things. And, you know, it's, it's good having Cohen, you know, you know, actually making moves. Like, he was talking about it, you know, you know, very engaging with the fans on social media, and he actually pulls the trigger, actually makes a splash. So, yeah. Jared, let me ask you, um, do you see the Mets getting their third championship in the next three years? Next three years, um, you know what I'm going to say? Yes, yes. We'll hopefully, I say Mets get a championship. It's just the stacks are, the cards are lined up for them to make a move now. If the DH comes into the National League, that would be even better. But once, like, it's going to be this, if they don't win it this year, I'll be fine. As long as they get into the playoffs and prove they're a good team. But, you know, the next two years after this, then that'll be the real test. And I think they got it in them to make a run. And, you, you know, Steve Cohen's going to have the money. He's going to have to we're gonna have to see how much he's willing to spend on this Mets to win the World Series. Because you got to be able to spend money and have those homegrown talent to win a World Series now. And that's going to do it today. Uh, NY Fly Zone, Episode 7. Thank you guys, everything, for your constant support. Remember, you know, you could stream us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, everything you know go out there run up those streams um you know and follow us at ny fly zone on um, instagram and twitter interact with us you know um we always post uh, constant updates and uh you know comment on our pages dm us um give us some you know stuff to talk about but you know we just want to thank you uh you know for all of your constant support and uh and you know thank you for everything yeah so i want to say thank you ben for being on the show today uh you guys for having me yeah, it was nice having a third person here, you know. And it was a good, good uh, discussion. We'll have a good week of football coming up this weekend. And then we'll talk about that next week. For sure.
All right, with that being said, peace. 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 Bitch, your boomin' want some more, nigga.